welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. This is the show where the uh, panel make a complete fool of themselves with their predictions for the weekend's football. And that panel is Dave Hilda Pryor, Ricky Hyatt, Gavin Cheatham, and Tom Bailey. So settle down and let's listen to them make a fool of themselves. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of uh, Rick. Uh, <laughs> football, bloody hell. I felt it was your turn this week, Rick. We didn't actually discuss that before we started. No. So thanks for kicking us off. And uh, as you've heard, well, Rick like, Hyatt's um, here. It's like George Master James asking me to read out the team lineup. Just, just <laughs> chuck it at me. I'll give it a go. <laughs> How evening. are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Excellent. There, Excellent. Uh, also joining us this evening is Mr. Oh, look at that. He's even changed his name on Zoom. It's Mr. Scott McTombley. <laughs> Hello. How are you, sir? Pleasure to be here as ever. I'm good, thank you. Excellent. And completing the set tonight on our Wednesday pod, it's Mr. Gab Cheetah. How are you doing, Gab? Very good, thanks, Dave. I will just say to the listeners what I was saying to Gav just now, where he does sort of give me Martin Tyler vibes at the moment with his uh, headset and picture. We don't always get to see his lovely face when we do this. So uh, nice of you to join us, Martin. Good face to radio, as you say. (laughs) Just give us a quick, and it's live, Gav. And it's live. (laughs) Excellent stuff. Well, um, we are going to do things a little bit differently tonight we weren't sure whether we're going to go ahead with a pod or not because it's everybody's favorite weekend coming up the international weekend particularly when most of the teams have already got their qualification secured so there's a lot of games that um, are not only international but they're also completely redundant because we know whether or not they're going to make the euros or not so um, i'm sure that will affect your viewing over the weekend should you choose to do so but only one place to start though and that's yeovil town 14 W's. Uh, we were all there, I think, yesterday in different capacities. Um, Rick, I'll start with you because you were alongside me in comms. A lovely 4-2 win. Action-packed. We suspected it probably would be compared to what happened in the game against Dover on Saturday. Uh, what was your assessment? Uh, I, I stand by everything I said last night on commentary. You should have gone to one of the other two first. You've heard what I think. <laughs> We'll go again. Uh, uh, it was, uh, Yo definitely deserved to win. Uh, whether or not it was a 4-2 victory, two sloppy goals to give away. But better to give them away in a game where you scored four than one where it could be, could be crucial. And uh, I did have to 
console Scott McTominay sat on my left because Michael Smith made two mistakes and it's never been known in the history of the planet ever before. It's contrary to the narrative that we've been we've been given. But I mean, yeah, you know, it's just scoring goals for fun, aren't they? They look look like they're going to take on anybody. Look like they expect to beat anybody. And it's just they look like a team that have won fourteen games, fourteen games straight at the moment. And uh, long may it continue. Well, I'll bring you in then, Tom or Scott, if you will, because uh, Rick's just touched on it there. The 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 one or two negatives, I suppose, from a Yeovil Town point of view, was the um, mistakes that let in the Farnborough goals. Um, how disappointed were you in your man? <laughs> uh, I, didn't, I didn't see them happen, so they didn't happen. Um, you couldn't bear to look. I've not even watched the replays. Um, they they played them at work, and I looked away. I couldn't. Um, no, it's. Are you going for Jose Mourinho there? It was 4-0. It was 4-0. It was 4-0. Four, four 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 we got a goal difference of, well, whatever we've got, plus two. Um, yeah, it is, um, it's a shame. But, I mean, it's a, his first real mistakes in a overall shirt since he signed. Uh, and he was in a makeshift defence anyway. So it's tricky for anyone in that situation. Um, thankfully, we had a couple of goals to hand. Um and I can't imagine you'll be making too many more of them. So we can probably just wipe the slate clean and pretend it never happened. Isn't that right? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, he'll be, he'll be absolutely fine. I can't imagine this is going to knock his confidence now and spark something from Zach Bell. Speaking of Zach Bell, um, I don't know what your guys' thoughts were, but I think he needs some match, well, some matches at least. Legs are struggling. Yeah, yeah Gab, do you want to come in on that one um, regarding... Uh, Zach Bell and then sort of your overall thoughts on the game yesterday? Yeah, I think uh, the, the talking point amongst fans I spoke to between Saturday and yesterday was who was going to play left back in place of uh, Alex Whittle, wasn't it? As he was suspended for last night. And then um, there was talk of maybe using moving one out there. And then, of course, we lost him after half an hour to an injury, as it turned out, and they moved Smith. But um, yeah, Zach Bell is. He's had a very up and down loan spell, I think. You know, I've seen him have really good spells within games and halves of football, and then he sort of merited a start the next game. And then the next game, Mark Cooper sort of hauled him off at half time, and he's then he's been out on the sidelines for a spell. I just think it's, you know, inconsistency, which sometimes comes with someone so young who hasn't played that many games. But um, I think um, uh, we'll probably come on to it later, but Mark Cooper said that. Um, Maybe needed to strengthen as, because uh, of course Jordan Young got but yesterday, so he'll be suspended for a return to his old side Chippenham next week. Jake Wannell's going to be out for a period of time. Jordan Stevens injured. Jamie Sendles White still injured from fairly early in the season. So, um, you know, I just think that um, we maybe do need uh, a bit of a defensive cover. I think uh, maybe in the centre and the uh, fullback positions. Yeah, well, just on that then, um, Tom, I'll throw it back to you because um, Yeovil have acted. We know that Wannell picked up an injury yesterday and they've brought in um, a player from Bristol City, is what I will call him, a player from Bristol City. Have um, have you decided on a final pronunciation of the, you, uh, you of can, the new you, defender? You can, give us a, you can give it a go, can't you, Dave? What's his name? I don't actually have it in front of me. <laughs> Hang on, I can. Uh, so I'm going to go for. I've been looking at this a couple of times. I reckon it might be um, Iden. You know, 
I was just silent. Silent H. Duncan. Yeah, Duncan Iden. No. That's a shout. I hadn't even thought about that. I've gone for. Any changes? I've gone for Iden. But I Idaho? think I Iden works as well. Um, Duncan has signed for us. Um, <laughs> big Dunk. Not that one. Dunk. Yeah, big. <laughs> <laughs> he is big he's six foot two that's what we do know um yeah i'm looking forward to see how he goes uh general consensus online at least from bristol city um anoraks across the country is that uh he shouldn't really be at this level he should be in the football league so if that's anything to go off then um we could be in for a couple of good months with him um just gotta hope he stays fit i think the only concern we saw well that i've seen anyway was um he was pushing for um towards the first team but some attitude issues got in the way so maybe this is the sort of the the maturity stage for him for him to really prove himself um but they think they've got a real player on their hands so hopefully he can help fill the gap until um until one all is fit again gav the obvious question now though of course with that signing coming in with the the injury of course that yeovil have acted quickly that um, Mark Cooper decided against using Josh Thornton. He was back on the bench um, yesterday. They decided to do a reshuffle, put Michael Smith in the middle when Zach Bell came on, as um, Tom pointed out. Um, is this possibly just a case of his his fitness still being um, needing to be up to scratch, having missed a lot of football? Do you, do you, it's, a, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because it raised a lot of eyebrows, at least in the ground yesterday. Yeah, it was like like we said, it was who was going to play left back and play Sir Whittle. And then after the the other reshuffle was required when um, Jake Warner got injured, and there was still quite was it around the twenty twenty five minute mark? There's still quite a lot of the game to go, wasn't there? Yeah. So that was. was my that was my thoughts that maybe if it was say the last twenty minutes, then maybe Josh would have been reintroduced. You know, as players are tiring and you know the pace of the game has dropped off uh, somewhat. So. Um, that was my thinking why Josh and why maybe Mark Cooper brought on Zach Bell and pushed Michael Smith into the middle rather than bringing Josh on in his natural and it would have been a like-for-like -like swap, obviously centre-back for centre-back. So uh, that was my thoughts on it. I don't know what the rest of you lads thought about the uh, the um, decision to bring on Bell rather than Josh last night. Do you think that's a fair comment, Rick? I mean, let's say we've, he has missed a, a lot of football, particularly with the 3G pitches that have we've had to navigate this season as well. And um, sometimes you can just be a little bit unlucky when the team has been playing so well when you don't find yourself in the team. I think that's the case of it. Certainly as far as the start of the season goes, everybody would have expected Josh, I mean, after his performances last season, and the fact that he's captain to be one of the first names on the team sheet. And then there was that run of games with 3G pitches where he couldn't get, couldn't play in those games, obviously. And then you get a situation where the other two guys put in a, they form a really good, good partnership. So you could you could look at it, look at it that way, and uh, say that he's not up to not up to speed at the moment. But I mean, obviously, it's just one of those decisions that the manager stands or or falls by, and whatever the reasons for it, it didn't affect the ultimately didn't affect the outcome of the game. So just move on to the next one. I think that's a, a fair comment, isn't it? And that, and that's really the the overall point here, Tom, is the fact that Yeovil are absolutely flying at the moment. So, um, you know, any decisions where, you know, fans might think, oh, I would have done that a little bit differently. It's hard to really argue with it when you've got the form to back it up. Yeah. Um, 
I think even some of the big calls that people questioned at the time have been proven to be right with um I mean I personally thought it was a bit crazy to um drop views for and then bring in Joe Day. But I mean the second we saw him in goal and, and saw how good he actually was, I was like, Yep, fair enough. Like I'll shut up. <laughs> you know what you're doing. Um yeah, it's been tricky to um I say find holes, but it's been tricky to um really find any ways to improve it on paper at least um especially without knowing on what's um going on behind closed doors in terms of recruitment be it well as we've seen with idahan like we had no idea that there was it was only when cooper mentioned it yesterday that they were looking to bring someone in that i had any inkling we were even looking um it goes show they're running a tight ship as well so um yeah i think uh he knows what he's doing trust cooper um just keep the rotating and see what happens. The thing is as well, we've got players that can come back still. I mean, whether Staunton's just simply unfit or if they're just continuing to rest him, maybe they're leaning into the coaching. I don't know. But um, you've got him on the bench as a, as a great option. You've got Charlie Cooper to come back still as well. Another great option. Jamie Sundles-White also to come back. So there's um, there's still options. And again, Maguire Drew, a great option as well on the bench. So... There's, a, there's options for, for Cooper to choose from, and if Halley is looking to dip into the market, why not? So talking of options, um, there's only one player that we really do have to talk about from last night's performance, and that's Jordan Young. Um, Gav, I'll throw this one to you first of all. I mean, two brilliant finishes, like two confident finishes of around the goalkeeper um, and into the back of the net. But of course, sandwiched in between that was the free kick. You were probably a little bit more in line with it than we were up in the commentary box with where you normally sit um, on a match day. So simple question to you, cross or shot? Well, when he lined up to take it, I didn't actually say it out loud, but I just thought to myself, well, this is going to be one of them. It's too far out for a shot and he's just going to dink it, you know, loft it onto the onto the day for saying Morgan Williams or someone, one of the other players to get, get his head on it and then we'll probably get flagged offside and we'll be frustrated and that. So when he um when he went to actually take it and then it looked uh oh that's a that's a good one into the area, but no one's going for it. And then it seemed to like he seemed to put a bit of bat spin on it, like uh, at the last minute and it just seemed to like it looked like it was going wide and then at the last minute it just seemed to deviate and go in the uh bottom of the net and the keeper he was I la- I looked at him when we um Farnborough kicked off again and he was like looking to the heavens and he was shaking his head. He had his hands on his head. He couldn't believe that he'd uh, let it go in. But um, I think you can tell by Jordan Young's reaction when he sort of held his hands out in the sort of uh, celebration phase that I don't think he really meant it. Rick, he was absolutely brilliant last night, wasn't he? He he was almost um, unplayable at, at times. And, you know, the good thing from his point of view is that no goals were also taken away from him on the evening either, and he could actually claim a hat-trick. <laughs> it's, it's nice to hear the stadium officials keeping up with the commentators and and, and getting these things Good right. evening, Ian Welch. Ian Welch. Evening, Ian. <laughs> he was very pleased with himself afterwards that he called every goal correctly, and well done, Ian. Yeah, Tom, I mean, he's just... He's one of those players where... Um, I said um, earlier in the season that with all the chopping and changing that we've had at the club, 
like one of our biggest at assets might end up being someone who was already here and he seemed to take to this league like a duck to water and it's turning into the main man already in November. Yeah, he was one of the few that I, um, from last year at least, I was interested to see how he would perform at this level. Well, firstly, if we keep him, because of course with new ownership, we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, but he was one of the few from last year where I was like, if we keep him, he could be good. Because, I mean, we've already, we know he's got experience at this level already as well. Um, and all he needed last year was that first goal. And it never came for him. Uh, he was, when he when he was on the gate, when he was on the field, because, of course, it was a mystery bag of who was going to be thrown out for us last year. Um, he did pretty well, especially in the circumstances. You could tell he was trying. You could tell there was the effort there. It was just the physicality and bits of stuff well just bits like that that just needed work and they've done that over the summer and he's transformed into this um into this absolutely brilliant player yeah absolutely untouchable at times um i've been really impressed particularly with his physical work stuff like shielding on the ball to then carry and and lay off for players like doors so yeah really really impressed and uh, i'm glad that it's it's working out for him because he's a good guy as well so um long live king young <laughs> Absolutely, more and more of that, more of that. Not not having King Young there, Rick. <laughs> it's it's not Tom's best effort, is it? Let's be honest. <laughs> I said King, and I was like, well, we've already got King Murphy, but I've said King now, so we'll go with it. Yeah, Prince Murphy, Prince Murphy, uh, Prince Young. Not not only to take over Dave's job or anything, but I, we mentioned it on commentary, the referee, and it's WWE that it currently. <laughs> It used to be WWF, and they've now changed it to WWE. So that was something we weren't sure about last night. But what did you boys think? Because he seemed to be inconsistent, and there was an awful lot of off-the-ball stuff from Farnborough, which, incidentally, I watched the Spencer Day, their manager's interview after the game, and he saw it completely differently. He was complaining about Yeovil's physicality, and yet from where I was sat, it looked like there was an awful lot of uh, Farnborough off-the-ball stuff going on i don't know what you boys thought about that Gab, do you want to take that one yeah i thought um reese murphy was wrestled off the board twice when he was trying to get he on was the two a, victim of a couple of those to be fair yeah. yeah he was one of them against uh was punished uh, sid nelson who had a lone spell with us a few seasons ago was uh and there was another one that went on punished but i think the uh the referee was just like i know he should follow the ball but he never he never seemed to like turn his head and his assistants didn't help him, especially the one in our stand. Uh, and, you know, there was like Rich said, there was a lot going off the board and the ref, you need to have your head on a spiral, don't you really, to spin round. And he, he did miss an awful lot. And there was some two-footed challenges and uh, 25, I think, the one that we uh, christened him Carlos Valderrama in our section of the stand. He had a bit of a 80s perm going on. He was uh, quite lucky to uh, only get one yellow during the game. And, um, yeah, and then they looked, there was a few ropey challenges that went in through the course of the evening. So, uh, yeah, I agree with Rick. Not the best official that we've had at Rouge Park. But that is the standard, I'm afraid. You going to say it, Rick? <laughs> no, I'll let you do it. I'll let you take that one. So, um, Rick uh, compared his style, certainly his hairstyle, to that of John Bon Jovi. <laughs> the early days, of course. Whereas the early years. Dad, Whereas my gag was because his surname was Cool, was Cool in the gang. <laughs> oh, Tom, Tom, I realise that some of these references might mean nothing yeah. to you. 
I know the names, but that's as far as it goes. Yeah, ask your grandparents, Tom. How can you say that to the man who sat there looking like a Freddie Mercury tribute? Yeah, but Tom doesn't know who Freddie Mercury is. I hear about this guy. No. We'll we'll come up we'll come on to uh, Tom's tash very shortly. I just want to wrap that point up about the um, the referee that um, Rick thought was that he was sort of, the referee was letting a lot of things go. But I guess there is that fine line in interpretation in there. To is he letting it go or is he just missing everything? <laughs> like, do did you kind of feel that same vibe yesterday, Tom? Yeah, um, I think. Rick hit the nail on the head with inconsistent. Uh, like we said, we thought he was letting stuff go at the start, and then I may well be the, in the in the minority on this one, but I thought Jordan Young actually made an absolutely fantastic challenge, and he got booked for it. I thought he got the ball, and I thought it was a brilliant physical challenge, and he got booked. So maybe I know nothing. Uh, maybe I have better eyes than the referee. I don't know, but um, yeah, really inconsistent. Some had like weird bookings. Some probably earned bookings that didn't some didn't that should have yeah just the very probably... definition of inconsistent isn't it i think so yeah i think yeah. on the balance of things it we probably got a little bit of of the favor he missed a lot of off the ball stuff but i think we won a couple of soft fouls to kind of balance it out across the game but yeah very inconsistent it was a very costly yellow for jordan young wasn't it because it was his fifth yeah. of the season so when they miss the um because the crazy rules again are nationally safe. He seven days after the offence, so he will miss a return to his old side, Chippenham, next week. When, uh, so that's a blow after getting a hat trick. Who's on that one, Gav? Me and Lee. Who's Lee? Me, me and Lee. Me and you. Tom. Oh, Lee. Sorry, I think you said Lee. Lee Who's Lee? I've never met this man. <laughs> me and Lee. Yeah. I thought it was me. Certainly <laughs> yes. Well, we've got that, another and, with it, and, and with it being, yeah, you nearly took the words right out of my mouth there, Gav. <laughs> um, we've got um, a game on. One game Saturday, at a time, listen to the cut, gaffer. Yes, the one game at a time. Um, it is the FA Trophy, so change of competition, but it is a big one, in inverted commas, uh, going back down to the English Riviera. So, uh, Rick, with it being a Wednesday, we're going to have to have one preview in here at least, so um, and possibly yep. a prediction from you. So it may as well be this one. But I think this might be a, a difficult one to call because if let's ask it a different way. If you're Mark Cooper, are you using this game as a chance to do a little bit of rotation, or are you looking at how comfortable points-wise they are at the top of the division at the moment? You just want to keep that momentum going and see how. Um, how far they can keep that going and progress in the cup. Is the 14 wins in all competitions or just... Yes. No, it will be all competitions. Yeah. No, it must be league games, yeah. isn't it? No, we it's, lost it... the... no, it's, it's, it's FA Cup FA Cup and National League South. Yeah. So does yeah, this well, have... I say all competitions because we haven't played an FA Trophy game yet, have we? So yeah. technically it would be if we get one on Saturday. But yeah. it's this, this <laughs> run now has taken on... Now it's reached the 14. It's... it's becoming more and more significant and in a way it's a funny way it seems to be an added sort of pressure now because you we're mentioning it before not wanting to be on on comms when it came to an end you don't really want it to come to an end now and how much of a priority do you put in that and then you've got defensive injuries whereas whereas you may have 
looked to uh, give people a rest or whatever and put things on. Now you don't have that, that option. You've got to play. What would people. you do if you're Mark Cooper? What would you do? I prioritise getting the league sorted out as quickly as possible. Try and get that one by Easter or something, if, if that's what's going to happen. But having said that, everybody likes a nice cup run, don't they? So it's difficult. It is difficult. And it'll be interesting to see what changes he he does make with the personnel that he's got available. So, yeah, I got on the fence. <laughs> I genuinely don't um, know. Oh, no, I laughed. I was really it trying was. not to laugh on tonight's podcast. I'm going to stop myself. Tom Bailey, with um, what Rich just had to say there, do you think that the fact that it is Torquay on Saturday just changes things slightly in the thinking of whether or not he wants to rotate or not because regardless of the competition we all know that it's still going to mean just that little bit more to the fans it will it will yeah it will mean more to the fans i do think though that it's a bigger game for Torquay than it is for us uh if johnson doesn't get any good evening gary good evening if you are listening (laughs) thank you very much um if they don't get anything out of this the atmosphere at Torquay could be very bad going into Christmas. Very, very bad. It's bad already. Uh, so they will probably be up for this. I wouldn't be upset if we lost, basically. Um, and if I was Mark Cooper, I would give opportunities to, well, just switch it up. I wouldn't even be upset if he brought in one of the loanees like uh, Charlie Bateson or, or Ben Jani or something, just to sit on the bench at least. It depends if they've got a game, of course. But um, I wouldn't even be upset if he did that. I'm personally not that bothered by the FA Trophy. Um, give Idahan a run out as well. Just get leg, get some minutes into his legs. Stick Staunton on. Apparently Cooper's back as well. So stick him in. Hours in maybe. Just give Worthington and, and everyone a rest. Uh, rotate and just uh, keep everyone as fresh as you can. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've almost, you've almost hit the nail on the head there that... Um... With the squad that we've got, even if he makes changes, Gav, we've got a very competent squad now where maybe it might feel like it won't make any difference if there's personnel changes. Yeah, I think uh, we have this season. You know, even with the odd injury and suspensions we've got, we've, like as Tom just alluded to there, we could make five or six changes and still be fairly strong. Um, I think Mark Cooper... I've heard his thoughts on the FA Cup and he wants, you know, he's talked a round or two ago about, you know, if we can get to the third round and get one of the big boys home or away. So I think his priority is definitely going to be, obviously, the National League safe goes without saying, but also um, going strong against Wrexham as well. So I think of the competitions we're left in, the trophy uh, will be the... um, um, the lowest priority, but I think, you know, I, th- I think even with making Jane, like say, uh, maybe Jordan Maguire Drew gets a start. <laughs> bearing in mind, Jordan Young is not available for the next game, and then I don't think I slightly disagree with Tom. I don't think he'd go like a Somerset Premier Cup squad with the Benjani Junior and um the likes having the game, but I do think like um. Sonny will have a rest and uh, 
Matt Wormington have a rest. And Josh Owers hasn't played, although he came on last night. He hasn't played an awful lot of football recently. And I think um, I think maybe Hyde to get another start because he's not had an awful lot of starts. But as you say, we can still make five or six changes and still be uh, competitive. And wouldn't that be a statement if uh, if we change half our outfield players and we still turn over Torquay for the second time in the fortnight? Well, come on then. I mentioned it being a Wednesday. Gav, give me a scoreline. I think it's settled on the day, isn't it? So I think it goes straight <laughs> to penalties if we level. That's no football. So... Oh, I see what you mean. I thought you meant... <laughs> Did we all think the same there when Gav said yeah. that? <laughs> yes, you are. What, right. who, who, predict, who predicts first? <laughs> I, what do you no, I think, um, I think it's going to be one all... And then Yeovil win on penalties. So he's not as injured. <laughs> very good. Uh, you haven't been working for Three Valleys for very long, but you're certainly picking this up, Tom Bailey. <laughs> I'm getting there. Give us your prediction then, sir. Oh, I'm going to say 3-2 Yeovil. Oh, Goals, goals, goals. Dave Pryor special. <laughs> Rick, full house? Yeah, 2-1. So we're all going 15 Ws, yeah? Yeah. Excellent. What are your thoughts, Dave Pryor? What are my thoughts? Um, I'm kind of on the same line as Gav. I could see it being um, quite tight, and then, but the momentum of the oval will uh, will take them through and they'll be absolutely flawless from the penalty spot and i think it will be george marshall james and your good self in overtime for three valleys radio at the weekend and it will end in penalty success that's what i think would that count as a win or does a win on penalties count as a 15 win good question oh, we need to go to the oracle five yeah <laughs> it would be a v rather than a w No? no oh, right. I get it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Is a V not like half a W? Victory? I guess it'd be a U. It's a right. W. Anyway. <laughs> one, th one thing is for certain sure, though, is if it does go to penalties, George Marshall James will know all the stats on who's ever taken a penalty anywhere ever in the history of the game. I with the right I've got a 100% penalty record as a as a Yeovil commentator. You're not I've, really yes. oh, I've you're witnessed one. I've witnessed one, so... You never know. Yes, the goalkeepers won't need to ride it down on their bottles because George will just shout across the pitch saying, <laughs> it normally goes right. <laughs> Go on, George. Uh, okay, so as you say, you can look forward to that on Three Valleys Radio, of course, and George Marshall James. Uh, that's Marshall James, uh, Tom Bailey. George Marshall James, Marshall James. and um, Tom Bailey for Three Valleys Radio around about five to three, Tom. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, unless anything breaks, which it shouldn't. So if it goes as planned, five to three. Excellent stuff. Well, Tom, we're going to stick with you because um, we spoke on the last pod about your Movember. Um... I've forgotten the word I was going to say there. You you are raising money in the good name of Movember. You mentioned, you spoke eloquently on Monday, actually, about uh, mental health as well as men's health, with it being Men's Health Month in November. We mentioned about 
possibly dyeing your tash green and white based on how much money you might be able to raise for that good cause. And um, just give us a little update on that, because I think since we last spoke, um, things have started to boom in that regard. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure about the dying of, <laughs> of things. I, that, one, that one might have to wait. Yeah, that was merely one suggestion. <laughs> I, uh, I I did a bit of research into the, into the hair dye, and um, apparently a lot of it will stain. Now, if I have to go to work with green and white hair, I don't know how I'm going to feel about that. Uh, we might have to make that one uh, like an end goal donation or something. But um, yeah, things have, have definitely moved on. Um, there is a big shout out. Well, firstly to Mr. Paul Thorpe. Firstly, hope we, uh, that he's he's well. Um, had his, his op today and sounds like things have gone well. Uh, he dropped lovely donation in for me. Um, but the big one is that uh, Mr. Martin Hellier, chairman of Yeovil Town and uh, frequents on the Three Valleys podcasts, um, did make a rather sizable donation. Um, so, Martin, if you are listening, I don't know if you are, but if you are, um, a massive thank you. Um, I would love to come and shake your hand to thank you genuinely for that. Um, I was kind of sat in shock when uh, when I, when I uh, saw that one come in. Um, so we're now at £175 raised. Uh, which Fantastic, has already man. shattered my target of a hundred. Um, it does mean you're stuck with me for another month of mustache. Um, I'll be bringing in the new year with a mustache. I can't we... picture you without it now. If I'm being perfectly honest, <laughs> if we just grow the rest of our, it won't be so bad. I can grow it out after the after um, November. It's got to be a really bad, ugly one for for November at least. But um, yeah, every every hundred pound target we hit, I will be keeping it an extra month. And if anyone has any ideas um for anything after that then feel free to send them in we can look at them again i like the idea of the hair dye one of, of the mustache one um it's just a case of if i can get rid of it afterwards um but yeah it's as i say great cause um raising health but well raising awareness for mental health and uh men's health in general don't forget to check yourself speak to your friends shoulder to shoulder all that jazz um and we'll be continuing with the awareness bits throughout the month. So yeah, any donations greatly appreciated. Yeah, good work, Tom. And just to echo those thoughts, as it is um, um, men Men's Health Awareness Month, um, Tom, um, Tom, Rick, it is important that we do uh, talk to one another, and um, particularly from a mental health side of things and reach out when you can check in on on one another and it all it all helps yeah absolutely was it somebody i read a thing that they, someone would rather have a conversation with you at two in the morning than turn up to your funeral so just don't be afraid to uh speak to people and get the burden out of your mind because it's all things always seem a little bit worse when you keep them to yourselves i just i just wish that i was i was manly enough to to be able to grow a moustache but there you go just get rid of the rest of it. You already got one. Ah. Do you I've echo those? Um, do you echo those thoughts, Gab? Other than the possible growing of the mustache, you'll have to. Yeah. Tell um... me whether or not that's a challenge <laughs> for you or not. <laughs> it would be a challenge, but um, yeah, no. Just like uh, what Tom and Rick has said, you know, just don't bottle stuff up. You know, if you're if you're struggling, reach out because there is help out there, and um, more than ever, more than there's ever been. So um. Don't um, 
talk to someone just just that really just thing is just... people people surprise you don't they you, you you think oh i can't talk to anyone or whatever and you find out if you do people are a lot more receptive to helping and and being a, a comforting shoulder or whatever than than you probably think so don't be afraid about it yeah and if you if you're listening to this and you think that might be you and you you're interested in football and that then you know by all means let's open up the invitation to come onto the pod i mean we'd love to chat to you um we've had all sorts of different um characters and opinions on the pod so more are welcome um more people for um for you to challenge rick hyatt i'm sure it'd be good fun <laughs> don't pick on me i'm the quiet <laughs> reserve i'm the one that's on the fence mate <laughs> Well, well, good luck, Tom, anyway, with that. And we'll keep everyone updated as the good weeks... Good luck to Tom's face. And yeah, the months go face. by, by the looks of things, if the money's anything to go by. So that's good stuff. What might not be good stuff is that we're now we have to dip our toe into the international waters. So I think it's only right that we start, of course, um, with England, who are already qualified. They do have qualifiers, exciting qualifiers, over the weekend against the European giants that are Malta and North Macedonia. Not South, North Macedonia. Um, I think it's best to start, Tom, with uh, with yourself, just picking on you, uh, but with the England squad itself, because maybe uh, the squad has been picked in mind with the fact that um, England have already obviously booked their place at the Euros. The biggest talking point, of course, being Raheem Sterling. Um, Palmer getting a, the nod ahead of him, which raised a few eyebrows. Not because Palmer isn't playing well. We know he is. He's playing really well. And we spoke about that on Monday. But it's more of the fact that Sterling is also playing really well. And with his previous experience, and that's now five squads where he hasn't been called up. Do you think there's more to this than meet the eye, Tom Bailey? The thing is with Southgate is you don't know. There's not really any logic. That's Tom Bailey's thoughts. (laughs) Don't know. (laughs) Um, The fact it took him so long to get for Takayo Tomori into this team kind of says a lot about his selection process. He knows who he likes. He knows he goes with what he trusts, which works. But when it doesn't work, you need to shake it up. And sometimes it takes him just a bit too long. He's a bit too loyal. The fact that Jordan Henderson is in this squad, even as a as an ex Liverpool player and our captain, you know, I'm I love him, whatever. He will always be in my heart. But he should be absolutely nowhere near this squad. Nowhere near this squad. Yeovil are bringing in bigger crowds than who he's playing in front of. There, and he's not even playing very well. It, 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 there's no way he should be in the squad over, particularly James Ward-Prowse. I'm how he's not in this squad is. Mental. That's the. If you could make one change, that's the one. I don't even care about the rest of them, like Ben White, whatever. Um, the fact that James Paul Prowse isn't in the squad, even after getting two assists at the weekend, is beyond me. Do we have a, a true dead ball specialist as well in the team? Because if we don't, then, well, I suppose we've got Trent, but um, he only plays about six minutes a game. But that's so. the thing, isn't it? But he probably won't see many minutes unless yeah. he decides to change things up. Obviously, having already been qualified. I think as well with Jude Bellingham dropping out with a shoulder injury, rightfully so. If he's not fit, don't play him, don't risk him. He's young. We need to keep him fit. Same for Levi Colwell. Um, two brilliant players. Shame that they've dropped out, but it's it's for the best. Um, it shows that he's in their plans, at least. And I thought it was interesting getting to call up Rico Lewis as well. Um, 
again, whether I whether I would have put him in over Ward Prowse, I don't know. But he's a seriously talented player, so I'll be interested to see how he how he performs on the main stage. So there's ups and downs. I mean, if they're going to test anything new, now's the time because we've already qualified. We're going to qualify top, and we're playing the two weakest teams in the tournament. So. Um, I suppose to see how it goes. Well, there's not going to be very many, very many um, opportunities left. Does it? Does it feel now, Gav, that if you're not getting in the team now at this point, then you're not going to get picked for the Euros next year? Yeah, I think that's a fair point, Dave. Because I was to say about five games to go before the actual tournament starts. So, like you say, if you're not in and around it now, then you're probably not going to be in Gareth's thoughts for uh, this summer. It is a, it is a strange one, isn't it? Because um, with so few games, but like Tom said, playing the two weakest opponents in the group over the next uh, few days would probably be the experimental phase. And then I would think the three or four, however many games remain in the run to the tournament will be pretty much, you know, Gareth would be maybe tinkering a little bit, but not doing much experimenting. And they'd be going with... Uh, his strongest side and formation as we uh, hopefully um, go for a successful um, summer in uh, Germany, isn't it? I think. I think it's in Germany, isn't it? The Euro. So uh, looking forward to hopefully another taking it that final step. And if that is the case, and it does mean, Rick Hyatt, that you'll be able to enjoy Jordan Henderson spraying the ball around from the comfort of your own living room next summer. So uh, that's something to look forward to. Yeah. That would be great, wouldn't it? Uh, they've had lots of dropouts from the squad. Did I see David Cameron making his way to... Or was that a different thing? <laughs> that hurt he me. might well get a game. He'd probably get a game before James Ward-Prowse would anyway. So, I don't know. I find it very difficult to get enthusiastic about international football, as I think everybody does until tournaments come around. And when the tournaments I, know you men- I know you mentioned, Rick, the other day about... Obviously, it, it, it doesn't really turn you on because of the, um, you know, it's all about club football these days. And you then, why would you then start supporting players who have, yeah, um, you know, who play for your rivals or whatever? Has is, is that always been something that you felt like? Because I've, I've always been of the opinion that international football seems to have, like, it was big at one time and it sort of drifted. And uh, so I'm just interested to know if that's something that you've always felt or whether that's kind of just changed as the years have gone by. It, I've never. It got bad when I was going up to Old Trafford regularly, and you'd see the reaction that everybody else had to United. And United players, Brian Robson, even back from that time, you send them away on um, international duty, and they come back injured. So I think it's more of a hindrance, and it's it's always club above country for me. In football terms, in in cricket and rugby, I tend to. Have more interest in the international sides, but as far as football goes, yeah, it's definitely club over country. Just to go on a very short side note there, because you mentioned about David Cameron, did anyone see that with the cabinet reshuffle that they started announcing it like football transfers? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Tom, I see you shaking your head there. They all went very Fabrizio Romano and was like, done deal, <laughs> David want... Cameron back in the cabinet. Um, I want to purge it from from my brain i i was watching it as it was going on just sat in the office at work just going what are they doing what what are you doing 
big signing arm of arm emoji james cleverly is here i don't care if james cleverly's here he's going to do as, as bad a job as the rest of them <laughs> go away go and do politics don't pretend to be cool uh gachi have you got an opinion on this well uh, before I give my opinion, I'd, uh, I want to come work with Tom because he was watching the Yeovil goals on his phone at, today and now he's um, watching Sky News as well. So uh, I want to come and work with work. Tom. I'll send me CV in. I'll bring me CV to Chippenham with me, Tom. Bosses, if you're way. listening, I'm sorry. This is, I do work, <laughs> yeah. I promise. It, he's joking. It's in his unpaid lunch hour he's doing all this. <laughs> and his colleagues. You don't want to mess redundancy at wherever you work, which I know, but I'm not going to say. <laughs> Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now you've finished harassing Tom up, you want to know what the question is? Yeah. In true football bloody hell style, you've now gone off on a tangent now. <laughs> yeah. I actually no. watched it live when I, I was on the day off there where I paid days holiday, thank you, on Monday before Tom gets his own back. And uh, I actually seen it just at the moment that David Cameron, it was like, it's David Cameron, it's David Cameron, we never expected that. And then there was lots of guffling in the background. A bit like one of these podcasts, really. It was, um, yeah, it was a funny moment. See, I felt like they should have gone more um, WWE to coin a phrase from yesterday, Rick, and then it'd just be like, oh my God, it's Cameron with the chair. Oh, God, oh, I saw with this steel coming. chair. <laughs> <laughs> but they're obviously trying to do it because they know that everyone's kind of um, embraced football transfers at the moment, and they're, obviously it's their way of trying to make it funny and catchy and make people... Uh, more engaged with it but at the end of the day Rick they'll be engaged with the tweets but it will go no further than that that will literally be it idiot in idiot out makes yeah. no difference yeah quite well looking ahead to uh, the home nations then because Gav I'll stick with you and hopefully you'll be able to answer this question and you hear it okay and we don't go off on a tangent but well started off um struggling in their group but they go to armenia at the weekend and do they play croatia or turkey uh they play one of them afterwards and they basically have to get maximum points to try and um qualify they have turned it around from where they started it are you expecting them to get the job done it's a tough group yeah uh, i think they'll be okay in armenia even though they're they're away aren't they but um they I'm lost sure at home about... to them didn't they yeah, so um, maybe not as easy as uh, I thought. But um, the home game, I think, um, yeah, they, they, oh, they do get they a passionate crowd behind them. Wales, Wales yeah, Turkey, Turkey uh, yeah. funny side, don't always travel that well. But um, I don't know, it's, um, they're taking it right down to the wire, aren't they? So I'm going to sit on the fence on this one. I'm not really sure if they will do it or not. As they have to get, they can't afford any slip-ups, can they? And it has been... Um, since they had a decent showing in the Euros and the World Cup, they have gone off, uh, as you say, the last um, last few months. They've not been the um, force that they maybe they thought. If in comparison to say the uh, the Scots, they've um, they've not improved as much as they've hoped they would have liked to have done. Yeah, just looking at the group, um, Rick Turkey looked like that they're all but there. So if it's a toss-up between Wales and Croatia, it could be a little bit of a shocker for Croatia don't end up qualifying through the automatic route but have they still got the same team that they've had for the last 25 years well that might also be one of the reasons that possibly they're just going to the end of their cycle maybe 
Mm-hmm. I think I, pretty I much. Think more... Mod Modric is still in their <laughs> midfield. <laughs> Just move on. Riv riveting, <laughs> riveting journalism <Yeah>. here. <laughs> the magic of international football. Go on, Tom. Take it away. Do you expect Wales to pip Croatia for the final automatic? I hope not. I hope Croatia do it. That didn't answer my question. <laughs> oh, do I think? Oh, well then, no, I don't think they will. Um, I think Croatia will do it. Um, I don't think they'll win the group. I think Turkey have... Oh, Turkey have qualified. I've just got the... I've actually got the... the... They are actually qualified, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've got the permutations up here. Um, Turkey have qualified. Wales will qualify if they beat Armenia and Croatia lose to Latvia, who are last. Um, so that's unlikely. Um, Croatia will be unable to finish in the top two and will be confirmed in the playoffs if they lose and Wales win. Um, oh, that's just said the same thing, but the other way around. Um, Armenia are in with a shout, though, as well. Outside shout, at least. If they beat Wales and Croatia lose, you never know. It could cause absolute bedlam on the final day. But um... To be honest, Tom, it, you could be saying anything there. I don't think anyone's going to um, write in and, and say that anything that you're saying is wrong, to be quite honest. <laughs> Latvia are top. Um... <laughs> Uh, no, I think Croatia will do it. I think they've got too much quality, and I'd rather see them at the tournament than Wales. Um, I would, if there's no Gareth Bale there, then there's not really much point in Wales for me. Whereas you've still got Modric, you've still got some talented players there in in the Croatia side. You know, Guardiola. So I'd rather watch them than uh, Wales. Um. I was just, I was just thinking to myself that you you said something like there's not much point in Wales. I was thinking we'll just clip that up, and then I'm sure that everyone will be right behind you, Tom. I'm the same for everyone. Don't worry. I'm English, so I have no um, I have no reliance to anyone else. Gav, the Scots, they've had another really good campaign. Already qualified with with um, Spain and Norway uh, in their group. They just seem to be. Um, sort of ticking on and this sort of turned into a bit of a golden era for them in terms of qualification having not really been at anything since 1998 before Euro 2020 I think yeah and it's all down to Steve Clark I think you know he, he had a slow start I remember when he first took over they had quite a few defeats and nothing really changed from um, from his predecessor but he's um, he certainly got them into a um, bit of a force now and to be um to beat spain and um spain and norway he said wasn't it? so to beat them and um to qualify from the group they've done really well and uh i suppose the next if you were of a scottish persuasion the next thing you'd want is to uh qualify from your group and try and get to the the next level of getting to the latter stages of a tournament which i think would be the goal for the uh scottish team uh next summer well, and to wrap up the the home nations, um, Rick, you can just be a one-word answer if you like. But they're both, both islands, um, they're pretty rubbish. <laughs> You've used all the words I wanted to use. <laughs> yes, Dave Hilda Pryor, you are correct. I mean, Republic of Ireland, though, they used to have quite a handy team, didn't they, in the nineties and sort of the early noughties? Uh, is this kind Jack of a is this a is this a case of just not having the talent pool there on both sides of the border. It does seem to be that they're struggling for to get some names in both their respective squads. Yeah, it's a cyclical thing, isn't it? You, you get a good crop 
come together and then you qualify for things and then they get old and, and you don't unless you're a country like England that's got many, many players to choose from. So, it's, yeah, it's just a cyclical thing. They'll be back sooner or later. Well, we'll... Uh... We'll excite the listener now by moving away from the international chat. We've only got around about five minutes or so left of the pod anyway. But what I did want to have a quick chat about, um, Tom, I'll come to you first, is that as we record this on the 15th of November, um, in the Premier League, we are yet to have a managerial sacking. Um, has this surprised you? Yeah. I mean, I've called for, uh, for Andonia Raiola's head for the past four weeks <laughs> in the hope that once I'm right, um, it's yet to happen. Um, don't know what the I record think... is. Maybe that's something that you can try and find out for us. Uh, yeah, I will come back with that on Monday. There you go. Um, that'll be interesting to see. I know that on average, um, I believe on average, nine managers lose their job every year in the Premier League. Um, which is nuts that nearly half the league lose their job every year. Um, I imagine Watford probably propped that up by going through three managers every year um, for their sort of six-year cycle, however long they were in there. Fair point. Um, but yeah, it would um, that and Everton have skipped their October sacking, which I don't like. Um, Dice should have been out the door, uh, unfairly sacked, and uh, should be going on to bigger and better things. But he's instead at uh, Everton still. Yeah, it's really strange that there's not been a single one and. There aren't too many other than maybe company that I would sit there and go, yeah, he's got to go. Or, well, actually, maybe Hecking Bottom as well. Because Luton aren't going to get rid of Rob Edwards because they know that they're fine. Like, they're going to go down. It doesn't matter. Um, Hecking Bottom company and possibly Marco Silva are the only ones that I would say should be at risk. Um, the rest are doing a pretty decent job. Do you agree with that, Gav? Yeah, I'd um, I'd probably add Steve Cooper to the list. That might be a danger because uh, their uh, owners um, doesn't he own um, has he known some Greek sides in the past? And he's quite trigger happy with his uh, yeah, investment in overseas. Yards, yeah. yeah, and he's quite as Steve Rutter of this pod with um, as mentioned before, he's quite um, happy with the older uh, Sackins uh, over there. So um. Steve Cooper might be a fair on borrowed time, but it, it must be a record that we've got to like about a third of the way through the season. We're not far short of, are we, for games played? And no one has yet um, been given their marching orders. I, I was surprised, like Tom, that uh, Vincent Company, but maybe he's living off the credit of, you know, doing so well when he first took over and changing the way they played after uh, being Sean Deutsch's Burnley for so long. And ch- totally changing their uh, the way they um, went about their business and getting them up, he's maybe bought himself a bit of time. But um, I think I think Heckingbottom must be uh, favourites, um, or maybe that um, that chap from Manchester called uh, can't remember his name with the bald head, the Dutch one. Pep Guardiola. <laughs> <laughs> Rick was uh, daydreaming then, so I got his attention back. He was looking out the window. <laughs> Go on, right. Christian, question looking, for you. I was, I was, look, I was looking at the one sacking that has happened today that has made me very, very happy. Richard Arnold, been relieved of his duties. One of the Glazers' men bites the dust, and uh, yeah, gets your Myrtle out, Myrtle, Myrtle out the out the door as well. And then, uh, yes, Viva la Revolution. 
for Jim will have everything back and proper and good. I thought you meant Richard on on the GMTV showbiz um, presenter then, Rick. He could get a sack as well. He gets on the nerves. <laughs> Just have a culling. Everyone called Richard Arnold. Just get a sack. Yeah. It, 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 won't be, it won't be a very big call, will it? I wouldn't imagine. No, I won't get, get rid of those two. But no, it, did make me, it did make me laugh that they said that they would be sticking with Patrick Stewart. I thought, oh, I wonder what the guy from Star Trek's going to be able to do. Yeah. Better job than Arnold. Yeah. Well, it, the important thing is that it's, it's a Glazer man out the door. He should have, in fairness, Richard Arnold, the way he handled the Mason Greenwood thing earlier in the season, should have been on his toes then. It was disgraceful. So uh, eventually, the right decision's been made, and he's gone. I just want to jump back in quickly. I've had a very quick look. We would have to wait until at least February to set a record. Um, the nineteen ninety two ninety three season, so the very uh. first season of the Premier League. Um, first sacking came in February, where Ian Porterfield was replaced by David Webb at Chelsea. So there you go. It could well be Chelsea. No one wanted to be sacked in that first Premier League era, see? How times have changed. It was like, oh, no, we couldn't possibly sack them on this season. God. We're on the telly more. <laughs> Watford are like, if we've not made it through two managers, then what are we doing? Well, look, we've got a few few minutes to go. So, Rick, how about a nice treat for you? Do you want to have a little discussion about uh, City's financial report that they... Uh, revealed over the last couple of days considering that adam davis isn't here so you know the next best thing of course is rick hyatt financial expert rick hyatt um that what that it's amazing isn't it they can't can't fill the stadium and yet they've got the biggest income because they won the league i didn't, actually, I didn't actually see the figures i just saw that the um seven chairman had said that they'll be absolutely set up for a long old time in the future and that there's nothing Ooh, to worry about thought? <laughs> Who'd have thought Manchester City would be set up for a long old time? Ah, they just cheats will cheat will cheat. There's 115 reasons why they're an absolute disgrace and they're polluting the English game. Is that what you wanted me to say? Well, I knew it would fill up a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I could go on for longer. It's interesting that um, Everton, with one financial discrepancy, look like they're potentially going to be losing 12 points. So... Chelsea as well today it comes out yeah. that they could be facing points. So I mean to be fair, from what it sounds like, that was a bit more serious. Um yeah. in, in terms of how they got the money into the club. But um yeah. The fact that Chelsea again could also be facing uh deductions and yet still nothing about City. Really interesting, isn't it? You'd Makes almost you think... Think, you'd almost think that they uh, had enough money to pay for the most expensive lawyers available to stall the decision. For as long as possible, but I do uh, look forward to uh, Yeovil Town leapfrogging them in the football pyramid in the not too distant future. And that, I think, is a good place to wrap up tonight's podcast. So, um, Rick, I'll stick with you then. Thank you very much uh, for joining us, as always, and helping create a nice little spectacle for this Wednesday pod because we did worry at one stage we weren't going to have enough to fill it with, but. Uh, what do we know, eh? What do we know? You could have just started with Manchester City, sat down and let me go for an hour. <laughs> that would have filled a pod. But no one would have listened, but I, I'd have felt quite cathartic at the, at the end of it. But thank you, Dave Hilda Pryor. It's always a pleasure to spend an hour of my life with you. Oh, you. <laughs> <laughs> Gaff Cheatham, 
Gav Cheatham, thank you very much for joining us and helping us out tonight. Much appreciated. Thank you. It was good. I enjoyed it. No worries. And uh, Tom Bailey, thank you very much. And uh, good luck on Saturday. And uh, bring back the. I was going to say bring that. Bring back the points. Bring back a place in the next round, please. Fingers crossed. We can, but hope. I'll blame George if it doesn't go well. Yeah. If we don't get the W, it's all George's fault. Are we all yeah. in agreement? <laughs> well, thanks very much, guys. You have been listening to... Go on, Tom. Your turn. Football? Bloody hell. I feel the smoke climbing down my cheeks I hear the jokes and I smell the wind